It it took us like 50 episodes to figure our audio out. Have we figured the audio out? I think. This is episode 116 of the Belligerent Beefs podcast. Wait, does it feel like it's been 50 years since we recorded episode 115? Anyone else? Wait, what? What was 115? Last episode. Oh. Yeah, I guess a half a century's worth of shit has happened in the last week. Yeah. It's it's really feeling uh, it's been a long time since I've seen you guys. I know. No, I know it really has. How are you? It's good to see you. I just got off an airplane like three hours ago. Oh. I know. Congrat- congratulations. Yeah. On your hey, third thanks. baby getting baptized. I know. We did it. We did it. They're all going to heaven. Daughter got baptized by uh, Benny the Beaver in the Willamette River in Corvallis. That is the baptism. <laughs> Wonderful private ceremony we are re- referring to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Benny the Beaver scooped it right out of the Willamette, poured water all over her head, purest water, the holy water. <laughs> does. We, would ha- we should ask Will later this. I wonder if Benny is available, because you know you can book all mascots for private events. I wonder oh. if Benny does baptisms. Yeah. I would be baptized by Benny. Yeah. All these people who are converting to Oregon State Beavers fandom because it's the right thing to do and it's the right cause to support. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. We, we could let it wait until the offseason. But all these people who are like, you know what? Everything that's happening to Oregon State is wrong. And I am on the Beaver bandwagon. You can get <laughs> baptized by our mascot. <laughs> yeah. Hey, revenue stream. Wherever we can find a new revenue stream, it's important. This has been the yeah. most focused start to the Belligerent Beast oh, podcast I know. ever. On- I was going to say, everything is actually, everything is for sale. Uh, there's there's a price for it all, uh, including uh, scoreboard messages at halftime. So if you're a listener and you're going yeah. to the UW game this upcoming Saturday, Keep your eyes on the scoreboard because the babies have a message for you. You know, all this talk about baptizing and Oregon State being in, you know, a financially uh, unsure predicament. We could just create a religion called beaverism and then we get... (laughs) Tax write-offs. We'd be a nice. yeah. This is how far into the realignment nonsense we are. Uh, I, <laughs> I saw it, it's been a hundred days since the Pac-12 officially fell apart uh, in early August. Mm. It's like, and then on the hundredth day, a podcast started a cult. <laughs> <laughs> not a cult it's a religion we don't uh, need we don't need a tv deal <laughs> because we have televangelist joel osteen on our on our side <laughs> marketing spirituality <laughs> benny the beaver would be the coolest cult leader and now we're and now we're the richest and now we're the richest college program in the country see how that works yeah how about them I mean, apples? sign me up sign me up i'll get baptized how about them apples well jp how was your trip give us a very very brief brief breakdown of it oh it was great just you know quick quick uh long weekend down to the bay got to hang out with family spent a lot of time with family so that was really nice great weather mm-hmm. sunshine good fall weather it was it was wonderful heck yeah yeah absolutely you were in the bay were you watching the game with any stanford cardinal fans no but so here's here was the problem here was the problem so uh, I was nine miles from Palo Alto, and okay. I thought I woke up Saturday morning and thought, you know what? There's a game today. This is a great day. You know, I saw I saw Andre's tweet about wake up. It's game day. That's my alarm on Saturday mornings. Usually, I have 
all the sirens go off when that thing fires off and I and I get in my notifications and popped up like, whoa, yeah, it's game day. Dope. I got to head down to Stanford Stadium. I go there, walk around. No one's there. I'm thinking this feels pretty standard for a Stanford game. <laughs> Pop my, pop my head inside Stanford Stadium. No players. No game. Guess what? They actually weren't playing at Stanford Stadium, so my trip was all for naught. Wait. <laughs> was it in your head that we were playing at Stanford? It was until I got there and I realized there was no players, despite the fact that it looked just like every other game day. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there were no fans. I was waiting for the punchline, and I guess that is the punchline, that uh, there, is, there is zero difference between whether the game was in Corvallis or Palo Alto. The same number Fooled of people me. showed up to Stanford. Stanford Stadium. <laughs> I was going to say, you could have. I was wondering if you were going to watch the game with uh, Stanford alum Christian McCaffrey, but the Niners were in Jacksonville taking care of the Jags. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just he was a little preoccupied. Him, which, is a, which is a big win. So we're, we're yeah. happy. We're happy for Christian. Um, we're not happy for, for Stanford. Uh, AC, no. see you later, Cardinal. AC, see you later. Enjoy those red eyes to Tobacco Road and your protected rivalry with SMU. We're all looking <laughs> forward to that tradition. <laughs> we just drop kicked them to Chapel Hill. I really wanted to get that there <laughs> because that, uh, what I just said was cut out of my, uh, angry, slightly joyful, but mostly angry voicemail that I left on the <laughs> until Saturday, Sunday sound off podcast <laughs> feed. <laughs> and I, I wanted to make sure that my uh, my bit of bullying to the nerds got at least some love on the airwaves. Yeah, I did. I just called and it just all came from the dome. So um, and that's came a nice from the segue. Heart. came from the heart. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to spend forget. too much time on this. Uh, should we maybe do the Reagan beer segment earlier? I think we should Let's usher that in. Let's yeah. do Reagan beers right now, especially we'll, we'll get to women's basketball a little bit later. But also two games into the season. We're recording this on Monday, November 13th um, at 8.08 p.m. Uh, Pacific time right now. Uh, Oregon State women's basketball, 2-0. Mm. Megan, 19 points mm. and 14 boards in the season opening win against Arkansas Pine Bluff and 20 points and 14 boards yesterday against Villanova. So She's this a is force. Villanova. This is an ultra, ultra good Reagan Beers segment. <laughs> well, yeah. more, more talk uh, on the hardwood later, but for now. What, um, what joyous libations are keeping you guys company tonight? JP, let's start with you, buddy. I'm having a, a great notion sour called Evil Red. Ooh. I and like they had that. a chainsaw, so I kind of had to get the can. <laughs> Even though it's very murderous. It's a very murderous bear. Um, but I like to kind of think it's a murderous <laughs> oversized beaver. beaver. Yeah. It does look like a murderous oversized beaver. Yeah. Right. With a chainsaw. Uh, husky. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought? It's a uh, it's a tart ale with pineapple, guava, passion fruit, tangerine, apricot, apple. Wait, show us the uh, show us the graphic again. Okay, that's some fine art. That is that is cool art. Clearly a bear, but it looks like Little Red Riding Hood is behind the bear, and it was a wolf in Little Red Riding Hood. So the bear must actually be a beaver, and the wolf isn't there because the beaver killed it. Mm. And the wolf is part of the dog family. Here we so go. it's related to huskies. Oh. Dude. The honor of us killing the Huskies. Put, putting the pieces together. No, you dodged one tinfoil hat uh, label. <laughs> yeah, not, I'm giving I, you one now. I thought I was flying too close to the sun there for a little bit, and I dodged it. So now Look I've at got the color the, of this beer, though. I've got the taste for it. Ooh, that's oh, beautiful. Wow. wow that's that. really, really red. That's yeah. ruby red. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. To the listener, JP has a very, very fancy 
almost chalice-like flute. Flute. Oh, that is a flute. It's that a flute. he's drinking his beer out of. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'll go next. Yeah. I'm not uh, even coming close to JP in the class range uh, tonight, as usual. Um, I have a hams out of a <laughs> hams can, and the can itself is the original can. Uh, I don't know why they decided to go back to throwbacks. They just did whatever. But the can, their throwback can looks Christmassy. And they went back to the throwback in like midsummer, so people were like, "Why are they have Christmas cans now?" And they still have them. And I'm a diehard wait till the day after Thanksgiving to put the tree up and to play Christmas music and put the lights up and stuff. But whatever, close enough. It's a Ham's Christmas can, and I love both Christmas and Hams, and Christmas, Christmas Hams. Hams and yeah. Christmas Hams and Ham I am on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what a hundred sixteen episodes worth of podcast rapport will build. Yeah, but I don't eat right green there. eggs or ham. Uh, <laughs> JP, oh, please play five seconds of Method Man by Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> but not the very beginning. We want to. We don't want to get canceled. <laughs> we like to keep our license. You don't need a license. Uh, uh, but anyway, no, clearly, yeah. Very, very nice, cold, uh, refreshing hams from the land of the sky blue waters. Nice, nice. Benjamin, um, I, I am drinking. I am drinking Cardinal Tears. Uh, it. They are delicious um, <laughs> and nutritious. Uh, yeah. I'm actually drinking coffee because my oh. brain just about exploded from watching the Fenwick run and it exhausted me. So I am trying <laughs> to get my energy back. Yeah. Now, now that the West Side Eraser is done, Benny's uh, a second work screen is just the uh, Fenwick leap on repeat. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> oh, that's so cool. The Fenwick <laughs> Y button to A button or triangle button to X button, depending on your console of choice. Uh, that. <laughs> That was beautiful. And I, I, Beaver Nation obviously reacted appropriately and passionately to probably, it's hard to call something the greatest touchdown run ever, but it is probably the coolest looking touchdown run ever yeah. by 81 on any team. So flowers to our boy Fenwick for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but I don't know if anyone enjoyed it more than Benny did. <laughs> it oh, was man. like 2.30 a.m. after the game, and I'm getting just direct messages from Ben. They're still saying, dude, I mean, I know you saw it, but did you really see it? <laughs> like, you're trying to find <laughs> tea leaves. Like, if on the 1003 watch, look at this fan in the third row and the way they <laughs> react to it. You can see their mind blow right as Fedwick gets in, gets both feet in the air right here. <laughs> there was a very, very cool fan taken video that they put it in was. slow motion as Fenwick is leaping over the defender. Listeners, if you haven't seen it, watch yeah. it. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's very cool. And that is a great way to just go into this toast for this episode. Or this, yeah, we're toasting to everyone, but especially Fenwick uh, and Damian Martinez. And just mm. everyone on the ground game. But cheers specifically to Deshaun Fenwick's touchdown run. Uh, he also went over 2,000 yards for his uh, total collegiate career. So, man, Deshaun, cheers to you, my dude. Yes. Yeah, lots man. of good. Lots of good numbers last weekend. Lots of great numbers. Uh, lots of great numbers. Lots of great calls. And one terrible call. Mm. You knew we were going to talk about this. I don't want to spend a shitload of time on this. Because we all know how we feel, but also pretty much all of our listeners who we've chatted with or uh, interacted with on social media in the last two days has brought this up. So I think we'd be doing a disservice to the listeners 
uh, if we didn't bring this up. And I, of course, spent the first moments of triumph after the Stanford game <laughs> calling another podcast voicemail line <laughs> to vent about <laughs> how in my feelings I was about this. <laughs> and it's a, it's, it's a little when you look at it from 30,000 feet, it is silly, but it is a very real feeling nonetheless. And it was announced during the third quarter of Oregon State's absolute annihilation of Stanford. Uh, which ended up in the final score of 62-17 to 17 in favor of your Oregon State Beavers. The University of Washington Huskies, they did their part to make this a uh, truly historic and iconic matchup this Saturday, beating Utah 35-28 to 28 in a game that had a little bit of everything. And true to form for Washington, was not comfortable at all for Husky <laughs> fans. Basically setting it up, all right, Washington's going to be fifth, 10-0. Oregon State's going to be 10th, 8-2. We're still waiting for this week's rankings to come out as we're recording on Monday. But college game day is going to Corvallis, right? Like, what are the other possible matchups? Like, they were at Georgia for Georgia-Mississippi. The only SEC matchup of note next week is Georgia at Tennessee. Tennessee also lost to Missouri. And you kind of look through, like, okay, we know they go to these smaller programs and smaller schools and not always FBI schools, which is cool. And one they've done a lot is uh, the rivalry between Montana and Montana State, but they've done that one very recently as well. So all signs pointed, all signs, literally and figuratively, <laughs> all, all proverbial signs, signs and logical signs and signs <laughs> on the set of College Game Day pointing to Game Day in Corvallis, first time since 2010. And it gets announced, hey, During Harrisonburg, yeah. we're coming to your city <laughs> for James Madison versus Appalachian State. Get ready, Harrisonburg. And Oregon State fans were not happy, <laughs> are not happy. I want to say a couple things right away. First, I think it is a silly rule that makes James Madison ineligible to play in a bowl game this year. I want to get that out of the way at first. And it is a program that's been really good, deserves more national spotlight. Sure. They're playing App State, who's been an interesting program for a while, but they're six and four. It's really not that big of a deal. And also, College Game Day went to Harrisonburg as recently as 2017, seven years later than the last time they went to Corvallis, Oregon for the 2010 Civil War. I'm not trying to diminish what you've done, James Madison, if any James Madison fans are listening, if there's anyone <laughs> who got their masters at James Madison and is it's kind of their East Coast team in addition to Oregon State and is listening to the show. Thank you for listening. It really just seems like the last and like kind of fine, not final, but just another like tiny fuck you from ESPN to avoid Corvallis. And I know why I want to hear from you guys a bit, but it kind of seems like them facing what surely would have been some petty signs in the back. Pat McAfee probably getting booed by a good section of the crowd. Uh, I also think that would have been a pretty compelling opportunity for ESPN to maybe change the narrative a little bit. I I don't think – I think they know they've been labeled as bullies in this whole thing, and I don't think they like that, and it's not good for business, and we know that their business is not in the tip-top shape it used to be. I think ESPN could have maybe not changed a ton of minds, but I think could have made attempts to tug at some heartstrings probably wouldn't flip anyone bleeding orange and beaver nation who's upset about this uh but like the neutral observer who probably has some goodwill towards oregon state and washington state right now they go you know put on some show that tugs at their humanity a little bit and they chose no they're going to another school they're avoiding it as much as they can 
it's cowardice. They're running away from this shit the same way they've been running away from being public facing at this um, at all. And the last thing I'll say, Harrisonburg, I smoked pot with Harrisonburg. <laughs> and it wasn't and, even that good. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to the show, that's a recurring bit in honor of the movie Step Brothers. Uh, but anyway, that's kind of my initial thoughts on it. Um, Benny, I know you reacted strongly to this as well and really disappointed. Uh, also pointed out that the second it got announced was Desha- the next play was Deshaun Fenwick's it truly incredible 37-yard touchdown run. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of you know the subliminal message that Oregon State football has been sending across the country during all of this. It's pretty poetic that it happened that way. But yeah, man, just college game day, Harrisonburg, not Corvallis. What the hell? So I've uh, I, obviously I, I knew this is going to be a, a point of conversation tonight. And I've thought sort of about what how to express my thoughts. And and first and foremost, like, obviously, it's frustrating. And uh, the uh, I'll take a thought that I agree with from the athletic podcast, which is if you're in Alabama or Ohio State or um, Georgia, and game day comes like, it's not a big deal. And you have a lot of people from those programs saying like, what is the big deal? But it is a big deal because game day coming to your campus is a mark of um, success right like it's a mark of uh of notating that your program matters your program's on the up and up your program's important enough to hold a national pregame show and probably the most famous pregame show of any sport at least in the country so that's why it is important and i agree with all of that and um i forget if it was me having a conversation with jp or maybe someone on um on twitter but the conversation was do you think college game day is going to come to the Oregon State UW game and my response was I think it will because while ESPN has fucked over Oregon State and and been a part of that um they haven't done anything outwardly um blatant to fuck over Oregon State it's all sort of been behind closed doors and I was like no I don't I think that would be such a stain yeah. on them that they're they're not going to be that blatant about it and I, I'm fucking eating crow now I I, I can't believe that they did that because to your point, Terry, like they could have come to Corvallis. They would have gotten smoke for sure. There would have been signs that would have been hilarious and ESPN wouldn't have liked them, but uh, they could have catered their um, stories and points of conversation around this. Um, I think it's also worth noting that this isn't just the most important matchup in the country. This is Oregon State's last home game in the Pac-12 conference before who knows unknown um so like espn was so blatant about this that you have people that have no affiliation with oregon state calling bullshit on this and i think it's actually going to be proven to be the wrong decision by espn because of all the blowback that they're going to get from being so obvious about this that being said i think it's a good thing for oregon state and the beaver fam and this is why you poked a hornet's nest that was already swarming (laughs) right like this was already going to be the game that Oregon State fans had circled Washington and Oregon are the two programs right or wrong that the venom is directed at so this is always going to be the game and now you add let me go back that venom that we all felt when the Pac-12 crumbled was so real and so raw and I feel like it's still there but some of it has trickled off especially as Oregon State has played really well that came back tenfold when when ESPN made this move and you're going to have a stadium 
stadium full of really, really, really upset people. And um, it was already going to be a ridiculous home field advantage. Um, this is going to amplify it tenfold. That it, The decision, um, I don't think, was uh, bad for Oregon State. It was the, the team that's going to get fucked over by this is Washington, I think. So that's sort of my thoughts on it. Um, you know, it is what it is. You can't change it. Just bring all that hatred that you feel towards ESPN and direct it at Washington. Yeah. The only thing that I thought of while you were talking to Benny was ESPN's sort of, they haven't done this publicly, but they can point their fingers at Fox yeah. as they've kind of been at war at each other. Like, no, Fox, this isn't our fault. This is Fox's fault, even though it's on both of them. Having game day would at least be an attempt to paint them as the nice guys and deflect you know, a little shoot, bit. Deflect a little towards Fox. Yeah. Uh, JP, I know you've got some thoughts on this too. Um, what are you thinking, man? You guys still watch game day? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I know you're the first one who said, fuck this, I'm done. It's more. Touche. I think it's the, more what? No, the, there's no, there's, there's no, no there's let no me, excuse. There's no excuse. You're saying there's, there's no excuse to be mad about it or there's no excuse oh, no, to no. be watching game day? There's no excuse at this point to be supporting that program. And there's no excuse to sure, maybe... but I'm saying being mad about it isn't the same as supporting the show. No, absolutely not. I, I, I am on the same page That's, with that one. Right. I agree that game day and ESPN are absolute morons for skipping out on this matchup. And I think that it... It's a clear indication of um, admittance of their involvement uh, and and their their desire to distance themselves as far as possible. I actually don't think this is about the venom that be spewed or the hate or the booing or the signs as much as it is ESPN sticking to their guns and saying we're not throwing any bones. We're not like screw that. Like, there's no reason why we should show up there. What? Why sure. do we want to go support that community when we're already dragging them down? That is, that is the goal. Like, that has been the goal. Uh, I uh, agree that there are clearly idiots running that company uh, and these programs because they could have played stupid and and played the nice guy card and showed up and been like, oh. Here we are telling the story. Man, how terrible is it that the Big Ten and Fox <laughs> took the last, like, you know, two biggest uh, linchpins of the conference crumbling, and now the look where it's all, all the dominoes are falling. And, and look and, at all these poor people who just want to support their team. Yeah, I mean, they could have easily spun it. If they had any decent PR team uh, or any half a brain, they would have done that. And clearly, they're just too fucking stupid to figure this out even. Uh, and th that just goes to show that they don't give a shit about us. Game day, ESPN, none of them give a shit about Oregon State. They've already stomped our faces in the mud. They rubbed it a little bit more closely when uh, McAfee made his comments. And then now they're just, like, burying us in whatever's left. So don't watch game day. Don't support that fucking stupid program. I will reiterate that to my grave at this point because it is very clear that there's intention behind their decisions for one reason or another, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the Pac-12 network and that we were probably the staunchest defenders of the Pac-12 network, or at least some of the most staunch defenders of the Pac-12 network, and ESPN is get now they're getting us back. They're, they're coming for the kill because of that, and this is their way to continue to twist the knife, and it's one final twist that they can actually leverage on us. Um, but like I said, like, well, like you said, Benny, I think it's a good thing. I think, yeah, sure. Rattle the crowd a little bit more. Amp the guys up a little bit more. I mean, Jonathan Smith commented on it after the game, even like the, like, it wasn't really like he was like, screw you guys. 
But right. the fact that he had a comment and not like, nah, I'm not, I'm not even, I don't care. That's not what we're yeah. preparing about or thinking about. And like he did kind of still deflect, but he commented on it. It's on their minds. It's it's definitely a motivator. And it's a coach's motivator. The disrespect is real. It is a narrative driven by the networks, especially right now at ESPN. Um, and it's going to motivate the players. It's going to motivate the coaches. It's going to motivate the fans. It's all going to look even worse when it's their Pac-12 game of the week on ABC, yeah. and everyone's <laughs> going to be hating the network providing right. the uh, the the game for the viewing experience. Well, and they set that up too, and they're still there's it's they put it on ABC, <laughs> and obviously they're going to still get their pound of flesh and their money off of it. And the way they've set this up is like game day is deciding to not go. Game day hates you, Corvallis, but but also. Hey, Kirk Herbstreet, go walk through Corvallis and call this game. And I know it's not the host's decision or whatever. Um, and I don't. Herbstreet made some comments. Sir, he was expecting to go to Corvallis, whether he was referring to the whole game day production or just him and Fowler as a play-by-play and color duo. Uh, but you're not really setting up Herbstreet for a nice little Saturday by making him do that. Is he um, well, going to be in yeah, Corvallis? You're not going to do game for day. one or two reasons. Yeah, he's not going to go. You be won't able to see go from him. game day. He's not going to be able to go from game day. How? enough time logically to fly charter jet no way you think he There's gets no a charter way. jet and lands he in does corvallis? that all the time it lands in corvallis i don't game. think the runway's big enough that adds still 45 minutes plus they, they, like if he, they if have he, if he it, dove out of his private jet into he'll be there like he'll, armored he'll, tank, he'll be there he would get to I, kick it off would be cool time. if kirk herbstreet jumped out of a plane and skydived into the stadium and then went up to the booth and it was just like oh and here's why uh jumping jack velling is such a compelling tight end product uh <laughs> He'll be at the game. The game oh, day okay. thing. Uh, well, that, Fine. Let's say somebody makes at, a game. It ends at 9 a.m. Pacific time. The show mm-hmm. ends at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Yep. So there's nine and a half hours until kickoff. So no, that's seven and a half hours. Seven and a half hours until kickoff. Yeah. There'll be It'll be tight, but he'll be there. Even if he is somehow there, well, he's not walking those streets. Are you kidding me? I know he's, he's going to have... <laughs> he, he, he is going to have double duty protection if he even sips sips right. a smell of public air. Right. <laughs> I'm not I'm not actually worried for the safety of Kirk Herbstreet. I'm saying the, you know, nameless, faceless, big power suits who are above at ESPN and calling all the shots and not making themselves known. Doing that to Herbie, I think, <laughs> is not the most uh, thoughtful or fun way to go about conducting business. But no, definitely, it, yeah, it is. An, I guess it's not annoying because it's not a bad thing that a lot of people will see this game and see how lit Reeser will be. And I think I really like our chances in this. And I don't just your point, JP, that the team is aware of this and talking about it. I don't think is a bad thing because. I don't think this is a team that needs bulletin board material, but I think they're happy to take it and happy to use it when they get it. Dude, they they for sure are pissed off about it because think about what game day is. They do personal pieces on these players, right? It's a it's a chance for these players yeah. to get their the name brand. out. And with, yeah. with NIL like yeah. being in the mix now, it's even more important to showcase yourself. And so the fact that ESPN is saying that Corvallis and the Oregon State community isn't good enough is obviously going to piss us as fans off. But them saying that the Oregon State right. football team isn't good enough, dude, those players are going to be playing with such a chip 
on their shoulder, which again goes to the point. This is a good thing. If we want to win yeah. against Washington, this is a good thing. Yeah, not to mention we are 0 and 3 anytime we have been uh playing an pandemic. opponent oh. that a uh that was either we were either hosting or the uh, a road team for a game day taping. So yeah. What one last thing. I I agree. People, if you see Kirk Herbstreet, if he does come. Don't give him shit because this wasn't his decision. It was, however, the senior coordinating producer of College Game Day's decision. His name's Drew Gallagher. He's not hard to find on Twitter. So if you want to give someone shit, yeah. that's the person. Direct your concerns and questions and griefs with <laughs> Drew Gallagher. That's Great. Drew Gallagher. Great investigative journalism. <laughs> Thanks. Betty. Nice. Um, I don't think more needs to be said about this. Um, no. If you're an Oregon State fan who is still genuinely upset about this, we hear you hit us up in our, our DMs, hit us up on Twitter, uh, and vent. And also uh, give uh, <laughs> give the Athletics until s- Saturday, Sunday sound off a call. Uh, they're very accommodating. And, uh, you know, and don't watch College Game Day. And yeah. don't watch College Game Day. I, I'm, I'm going to be in that. We weren't going to watch it anyway. <laughs> We're all going on Saturday, and we weren't going to wake up at 5 a.m., to get to the set or anything. No, don't uh, so ever watch it. Yeah, we, I fucking know, dude. I'm trying to focus on some of the positivity for this Saturday. That is a positive thing. It is positive. Yeah. It's going to be the best atmosphere. Life. Maybe we're going to just grab some microphones and do a better version of it anyway ourselves, like at the MU somewhere or at Squirrels. <laughs> In the, MU basement, locked in the away. MU basement, locked away. Basement. Every door to enter the basement is somehow locked. There's no where entrance. we belong. <laughs> you know what's cooler than a regular broadcast? A what? secret broadcast oh, that no one can no go one to knows. or find or view. It's kind of like our imagination. <laughs> uh, well, great bit on uh, the Drew Gallagher note, Benny. Um, I think that gives me uh, a great segue into just talking about some actual football, some actually thing. Actual Another historic. Dismantling on an actual field, a historic dismantling. It was and beautiful. Drew Gallagher was not a part of it, but uh, Drew Chatfield, also known as Andrew Chatfield Jr., also known as Savage Season, hashtag masks on, had a hell of a game. Woo! And there's so many notes to hit uh, of this 62 17 drubbing of the Stanford University Cardinal on their their last Pac-12 matchup against Oregon State as well. Once again, ACC later, nerds. Enjoy Fucking the, nerds. Enjoy the red eye of the tobacco road. Um, Andrew Chatfield Jr., interception on the first possession. Next possession had a sack on third down, forcing a fourth down, get us the ball back. And the game was over, basically, at that point. <laughs> Thanks to... In no small part, uh, Damian Martinez, who joined uh, some pretty uh, excellent company in rushing for <laughs> four touchdowns uh, in a single game. Did that all in the first half. Probably could have yeah. had four or more, but uh, Smitty smartly uh, ensured that his star running back uh, would be fully healthy for, for next week. Um, but yeah, so we've never, it's the biggest beatdown uh, of Stanford in the history of our rivalry with them. We've never beaten them by 45 points before. So that's pretty cool. Um, just, you know, big main takeaways from it. What did you guys, uh, uh, think, um, despite the, the fury and anger directed at, uh, those assholes who we will not give any more time to, but <laughs> in terms of good things immediately from the game, what were, what were some of your biggest takeaways? I thought uh, the intensity was huge. It played out so well for us. And I, and I hope that this kind of killer instinct is something that continues on for these next uh, remaining games. Nobody looked like they were lackadaisical. Everyone seemed incredibly focused and driven. 
on, on on pretty much every single play. They're, I mean, Stanford's not good. They they've been improving, but they are still not good. Right. And this was what we should have done to an opponent like this. And so to see them do what they did, actually, they exceeded what they should do to an opponent like this. <laughs> and it was purely because they just didn't, they didn't let their foot off the gas on offense or on defense. There, even as we rotated in, guys, and I, I mean, Bengal Branson got in there and threw a, a completion. Like this is that was great to see. It, it was <laughs> there was no let up. There was no let up. There was um, obviously great performances on. Both sides of the ball. We talked about Chatfield. That's becoming far too commonplace. That's a, that's a scary thing for Washington and Oregon and anyone else that's going to go up against the Beavs. If Andrew Chatfield's name is being mentioned week in and week out, like <laughs> he's turned a corner, like and he's, he's flipped a switch. Like not to be too cliche, but he really has some something has definitely clicked with him uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, and he's hitting potential, if not beyond. Uh, Damian Martinez, I mean, you got to give him the shout. Like, that first half was unbelievable. just unbelievable. Crazy. Unbelievable. We were talking about, I, mean, I think, I mean, I was looking at production numbers for him for the last well, this up, season up to date, and there's been a lot of talk about the lack of touchdowns and everything else from that's come from him. Um, also, like, the long runs, like, weren't uh, as common later into the season as they were in the first couple of games. Of course, some of that might be the opponent, but also could be fatigue, injuries that are, were undisclosed. Either way, everyone last year was so bummed. He was so close, 18 yards from a 1,000-yard thousand, thousand season in his freshman year, and he could have got it if he would have actually not gotten hurt in the Vegas Bowl. This year, he's eclipsed 1,000. He had the dope photo looking like Walt with the – 1,000 black and white <laughs> pencil drawn sign. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just look at it. Like, I knew he'd have to regress to the mean, if not improve off of it. And so regressing, or I guess, progress to the mean with the touchdown numbers. Like, he's already tied his last year number now after last week. There's no way he can hold the man down for that long. There's no way. And, yeah, he's, he's, still, a, he's still a factor. He's still a beast. Not like anyone could ever say otherwise. But there, he, he can have games like this against any team, against any defense. And a lot of that's just how physical he is as a runner. So to see him get one now and kind of put every other uh, team on notice, I mean, especially one that uh, couldn't stop 19 straight runs at some point with you know, a variety of backs. Um, <laughs> Who could that be? Like, Who's on the yeah, schedule? <laughs> yeah, when, uh, if and when a Damian Martinez, a healthy Damian Martinez is on the field, uh, anything can happen. And he proved that against Stanford. Yeah, I thought that this was, I mean, not, the, uh, clearly this was the most complete game that Oregon State has played yes. up to date. Um, what I guess my key takeaways were uh, is that the coaching staff had this team dialed in. This I know everyone was saying, oh, this is a trap game, like for every single game this season. <laughs> but this was the trap game on our schedule, right? And um, the team came out with so much intensity like you said jp on those first couple drives especially um and and honestly like 62 to 17 is a blowout it shouldn't have really been that close like there were two specific plays the one where it was um late hit out of yeah. bounds um and the other being uh oladapo's interception that he ran down uh to inside sanford territory that got called back so 
take it for what you will. Like uh, it could have very easily been 62 to 10. Um, I think that if you, if you look on both sides of the ball, like Damien's performance in the first half might have been the best performance of an Oregon state running back. Um, I mean, since I can remember uh, in one half, um, it was just incredible. And, and shout out to Damien. I'm so happy that, that he was able to put the numbers up on the board finally. Um, that's it, incredible. And uh huge shout out to the offensive line. Those holes were so gapingly huge uh, for, for both Damien and Fenwick and Newell. Um, it, that was incredible to see. I think Fuaga is playing himself into a top 10 draft pick uh, who now moving to the defensive side of the ball. Like mm-hmm. you said, JP, I think Drew Chatfield is playing himself into the first round draft pick too. Like, he was a beast and just mm-hmm. the defense as a whole, like they were so smothering. They were not giving st- either of Stanford's quarterbacks any time to throw the ball. They were putting the pressure on and our defensive secondary looked better than I've ever seen them look. Uh, McCoy seemed like he was all over the place. Like they kept on saying that the defensive secondary is, um, is like hurt is depleted. Right. Yeah. Which is true. But if you have people like McCoy who can, who can come and step in and, um, and play the the way that he played and Oladapo has two picks and I mean they were just swarming um and that's I mean that was a win because if you look at Oregon State's schedule like they really hadn't had a dominating win the, all of the games were sort of yeah. there's some right? control in yeah. other other wins but you look blowing at- them out of the water like this is not something that no, we've been and, accustomed to. No, and I mean, look, we have two losses, so I, I think the college football playoff is is not is not in our future. But the way we played against Stanford, that is a college football playoff performance. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just think that everything that we saw that went well is going to be the recipe that we need to beat Washington. You need to have your secondary play really, really well. You need to have uh, be able to put pressure on Penix. If you look at like how I hate to say, it, if you look at how Oregon played Penix on defense, like when yeah. they were successful, it was when they got pressure on them. Um, and you need to be able to run the ball well and open up those holes. If you do those three things against Washington, you're going to be put in a position where the likelihood of winning that game is strong. And you saw Absolutely. those parts of the game just excel on a whole different level against Stanford. Yeah. And I, I, I got to say big guys up front a little bit, just because I saw that I think the number one left tackle rated by PFF this week was Joshua Gray. And the number one right tackle graded by PFF this week was Talise Fuaga, who we are seeing some smoke on being a a first round pick. I had shared a mock draft with you guys this last week where he went to your Niners, um, which we would all love to see. But that's another, when you're talking about Penix, keeping him off the field is is the best way to defend him uh, before getting pressure on him. And so if we can run the ball the way we did, then that's going to go a long way, especially if those big guys up front are getting pushed like they did. Um, yeah. JP, I know you yeah. had a point you wanted to get to. Well, it's just to piggyback on what you just said, but also with the way that the, the game clock operates nowadays, right? We, we, we were curious how that would change or how Absolutely. that would impact the game. I, I feel like most people have kind of acclimated to that already, that their play calling and uh, just understanding of like, oh, here's – the flow of the game that I'm viewing, none of it seems to have differed very much, but it doesn't mean that there's not a wrinkle there to have some sort of advantage if you can use it to your advantage. And obviously running the ball, controlling the clock, keeping their prize quarterback off of the field is a massive way to manipulate the clock and the outcome of the game. I would I would be uh, shocked 
if we didn't run almost every single play uh, early on, especially between the hash marks to keep the clock rolling and just not uh, not worry about incompletions or running out of bounds, et cetera. Um, but also, I was just going to say with Chatfield and playing himself into a first rounder, and like obviously, maybe that's a pipe dream, maybe it's a stretch. But the stuff that he's doing that might get him recognized for that is what could easily stifle Penix. And it's his speed, it's his athleticism, it's his motor. like, And he's starting to really flex all of those things again over these last few weeks as uh, as the game seems to have slowed down for him. And yes. like... Just when he his both his interceptions this year, I had to like I keep thinking it's a defensive back. Like when he snags the ball, yeah. and he takes off, I'm like, whoa, who got that? Was that old Dapo? And I'm like, Wait, oh no, Shanfield. What? What? How's he running so well? How did he catch that? You know, and like even when he's not you know sitting back in the zone or like just eyeing spying the quarterback, like when he's putting pressure on, he's using his size and speed. And so, yeah, I mean, he he could be a nightmare for Penix and a nightmare for quarterbacks in the NFL. I remember at the beginning of the season, a huge question was who who's going to replace Omar Spates? Yeah, and and Chatfield has more than filled those shoes. Yeah, right. As a game record, I'd say. Yeah, Spates was Spates was a tackling machine. Let's not forget that. But Chatfield. Is well, a game. I was, He's I was thinking about space this week too, just because I was like, man, I almost like didn't. I was so worried about him, and then it's like I think the way Easton Mascarenas Arnold and Kelvin Hart Jr. have played uh, have done a really good job in that as well. But on Chatfield, it's like that pick against UCLA was the one that kind of it it did fall into his lap a little bit. I mean, Hodgins made a great play and messed up uh, more his arm, so it kind of just like popped up, and he was you know. But then he took <laughs> feel, off. Feel, but then he took off, and he was also he was playing coverage several yards downfield yeah. same one against uh on ashton daniels this past saturday uh it's on I, I believe zone blitz i think was was the call i'm not gonna act like i'm a ball guy and understand it but he kind of faked like he was rushing a little bit and dropped back and it's was you know like I, I think uh was J- i know Jaden got hit with that bad penalty uh bad couple of penalties um but i think he was right there on that one and also was right there on oladapo's first one so uh, the narrative on Jaden's game could have been a little bit different. I think uh, there's a couple people uh, who could have gotten uh, those interceptions uh, on those plays. But yeah, Chatfield is flashing a lot of NFL traits. Um, I'm, I'm wearing a Senior Bowl shirt while we're recording tonight, and he's gotten some love from the Senior Bowl coordinators already, which good. doesn't always indicate much, but that's it's a good sign. <laughs> it's definitely not a bad sign. Um, and yeah, I, we're going to need him to be a game wrecker, uh, on Saturday and Washington did a decent job, uh, stymieing Utah's pass rush a little bit. I wasn't able to watch the entire game because our game started, uh, before that was over, obviously, but they got Penix into trouble a little bit and we're going to have to probably rush a little bit differently because you don't want to just give him a clear lane to run through. I would guess we might take guys like Hart and Mascarenas Arnold and maybe put a spy on Penix on some plays. Uh, but yeah, it, <laughs> if we get another good Chatfield game, and he's been playing so well lately. Uh, when he when he was down briefly with an injury, like my heart just sunk. Yeah. I was just like, no. like You don't want to see that with anybody. But it's just like, please not Chatfield. And great, we saw him. He got walked off the field under his own power and he played a bit afterwards. Um, on the health front, I think... The secondary was more healthy than the broadcast booth realized because both Cooper Jr. and Jaden Robinson were playing. 
and had missed missed time earlier this year. We are a, a good to great secondary with both those guys out there. I think Noble Thomas was hurt, uh, who's played really well uh, as a freshman. So hopefully we're able to get Noble back. I haven't heard about other uh, potential injuries. I know Arnold took a hit at Colorado, but played I thought played pretty well uh, in the Stanford game. Oladapo was great, obviously. Um, but Dashiell even tweeted today that uh, yep. Smith sounded pretty optimistic about getting Jake Levin good back. And it's not a done deal that he'll play, but apparently he's doing better. And I thought Tanner Miller was great at center, and Grant Stark has played great at right guard as well. But I know Star- Stark isn't 100%, so we'll have to keep a close eye on the health of the offensive line and the secondary as we get closer to uh, Saturday. Um, but yeah, if we have those guys back and are close to being full health, which I think we already are, Mm -hmm. God, it's going to be a good game. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And just one quick note or one quick last note on the Stanford game. It's, um, I thought we talk about this every week, but the physicality of the defense was just so, so noticeable. The, the pick that, uh, McCoy got where their receiver just got sandwiched and the ball popped out and the McCoy ended up with it. I mean, that was, that was a ridiculous play too. Um, it, it's yeah. I mean, you, they just overwhelmed Stanford with their physicality. And again, that's something you're going to have to do with Washington. If you want to win Vegas odds update as of this evening, Oregon state has flipped to a one point favorite opened at around a two and a half point underdog so and it was slipped to three or three and a half after they slipped to three and three and a half okay yeah. I, I saw two and a half when it opened and then i just saw that um at least on a couple different apps that they're at uh, that the beeves were getting a point yeah. so number we're expecting the beefs to be number 10 in the college football playoff rankings <laughs> maybe they're higher uh i think they should be one uh i'll be surprised if they're not but uh <laughs> bracing myself for that possibility uh, but, but the Beavs are 10 in the AP poll. Washington hung on to five in the AP poll. Uh, we have never <laughs> played the dogs with both teams in, uh, the top 10. Uh, we've been playing them since 1897. Uh, so that's a little crazy. Uh, we've never played them in a game that mattered this much this late in mm-hmm. the season. Uh, so last time we're playing them in pac 12 play, and there is certainly no love to that institution or organization. Uh, the games the next two weeks are against the two teams that both applied to join the Big Ten like their high school seniors 30 minutes after it was announced that USC and UCLA were going to the Big Ten on June 30th, 2022. So don't forget that. There wasn't this long march towards trying to make it work, and it just couldn't yeah. work. It was no, pretty yeah. instantaneous. Like uh, I said, well, a, a, a source has told us that um, – the athletic department's been ready and waiting with announcement, uh, video, graphics, creatives, essentially everything that uh, they would need to make an announcement uh, in, in physical and digital life since uh, pretty much m- a month after uh, SC and UCLA left. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 been it's been their agenda. It's been their plan. Right. There's and no every that. every stop on the revenge tour was not created equal. These next two are the ones we've had circled, have the most ire, the most venom, and unquestionably want the most. And it being the last game at Reeser in the Pac-12 as we know it, with still an uncertain future. Uh, though we might know more, there is a hearing scheduled for yeah. tomorrow, Tuesday, yeah. November 14th. I'm guessing 
my expect expectation will be we're not going to learn much. The legal process takes a lot of time. And uh yeah, there'll be so much more muck to run through before we figure everything yeah, out. Yeah, we have to but announce I, Michigan. I almost texted you guys like first. Michigan, yeah. Michigan wants to leave uh the Big Ten because of everything <laughs> so going funny. on. Yeah, bring Connor Stallions with you. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon State, Washington State, and Michigan. That is a uh that's like the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Oh man. We're well, all let's... gonna be there. That's we another are, thing hey, too. We're oh, all going to be together. Benny's yep. picking me up on Friday. We're JP. I think you can only come for the game if that's still. If that's are you guys staying case, down but, there Friday night? Yeah, yep. and Saturday night. Oh, it's going to be so hey, fun. I don't want this to get out because I, there are people like listing hotel rooms and Airbnbs in Corvallis for like ten thousand dollars right now. Uh, but our hotel room at the great double decker lobby that your son loved so much does have a couch with a pullout bed. Mm. So. Any last minute adjustment, you're more than welcome, JP. But if you say no, I will sell it to the highest bidder. <laughs> for 10 G's. Have a complete, yeah. <laughs> any, any 10 G's, uh, Washington fan, it's a 20 G's. Yeah. So, <laughs> gonna try and rip off a couple of dogs. And they'll have uh, to sleep with one eye open because. Yeah, because I'm gonna yeah. fart on your face once you fall asleep. Right. If you wake up and I'm just standing <laughs> over you muttering some incantation in a different uh... language, don't worry. That's just the way I sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is fine. No, no, we're not going to bring any harm to any dog fans uh, this weekend. We're just going to yell at you a lot, probably. A lot. A, a lot, a lot. Benny has a gift card to Buffalo Wild Wings, too. Yep. We're going to crush this oh. weekend. Oh, it's just, oh, man. I can't wait. I'm so excited for this weekend. I um, just fuck every single part. If we, I, so I was thinking about this. I, I don't know if there's like the only other type of game that I can think of that would be on this level of extracurricular emotions involved in the game <laughs> would be like, when the Baltimore Ravens played the Colts for the first time after the Colts moved to Baltimore, like that's what this feels like. The Colts moved from Baltimore, moved from Baltimore. Yeah. So it'd be when they right. hosted the Colts the first time. Right. Yeah. Well that the animosity from the Baltimore fans, right? So like right. that is, I don't, and I don't even know if that equates to what we'll feel like there's so much right. other noise that's going on around this game. All of it making Oregon state feel, like they're inferior which we're not and um I, I just like it cannot come soon enough right and on that too benny it's a bit interesting i mean every situation is unique but and washington isn't the one institution that fucked oregon state in this uh i would say they are one of them and a representation of the many who did that so mm -hmm. it's a little bit more complex than just being like, oh, that's the team that left and now they're coming back here. Yeah. And it does make you. a difference it's... that they're the one of the two Northwest teams because it does. Yeah. I, I'm mad at USC and UCLA, but for some reason, because Oregon and Washington are in the Northwest, like the venom right. stronger with them. There's so there is an expectation of some regional stewardship. Yeah. And some like, wait, you're you're really doing this. You're really going to like, have you been to Piscataway, New Jersey? Have you flown there? Have you been there in November? Like, this is what you're agreeing to? Like, what was our relationship that bad? Uh, I <laughs> thought we had a pretty nice thing going on. Could it have been better in some ways? Yeah, of course. But it was a nice, good thing happening. Um, fill in the blank. Oregon State wins this game on Saturday because what? JP, you go first. Because of Reeser. Hell yeah, baby. Benny. 
because we make Michael Penix look like a non non Heisman Trophy candidate. Right. We we I, make him play like he's human. I wrote that Oregon State ended Caleb Williams's Heisman campaign last year after we lost to them, and then he did go on to win the Heisman. But he really, really needed to ball out after that. And Penix won't have the luxury of having a bunch of games left. And <laughs> go back and look at what Williams had done going into that game and then what he did in that game. Uh, that last touchdown that saved the Trojans' bacon probably saved the Heisman for him too. Uh, we can then make that two years in a row where we have uh, you know, just an absolute dismantling <laughs> of the, he- the number one Heisman contender at the time we played them. And then we can do that to Bo Nix again next week. So two for two. And then the Heisman goes to Marvin Harrison Jr. like it should. Don't at me. Well, so, sorry. I want to jump into this game. I'm just eagerly anticipating talking about this. I think, to answer your question, I think that Oregon State wins this game for a couple different reasons. Number one, to JP's point, Reeser, um, I don't think is going to be the most, uh, I do think that they will, but it's not going to just be the most intimidating atmosphere in college football this week. I think it's going to be the most intimidating atmosphere that college football has seen this season. Um, I, I don't think that uh, Oregon State fans will have ever witnessed anything like we're about to witness on Saturday. It is going to be a zoo in the best way possible. And if you look at Washington's road games this year, number one, they have not traveled well on the road at all. Um, but if you look at the environments, it's at Michigan State who is going to have a down year. Right. Uh, in September shell of itself. Yeah. Uh, at Arizona before Fafita was starting. So not, not an intimidating environment touchdown game too. Right. And exactly. Touchdown game. Um, and then you have at Stanford for 42 to 33, the same team that we just beat 62 to 17, 42 to 33. Uh, and like JP said, there's no one that goes to those games. And then at USC 52 to 42, they uh, they allowed uh uh what was I gonna say? No, wait, hold on. U- it's USC's defense that's garbage. <laughs> so I guess that did play out. But it was fifty-two <laughs> to forty-two against yeah. a USC team that's that's not that great. And also, like the Coliseum is not drawing yeah, that people. Was they were number game. twenty at the time. Yeah. So. Um. And so those are those are their road games. And right. now they're coming to research. This will and, be and the I, biggest test for them and, for sure. And, and and I don't think I, I think Kalen DeBoer is a great coach. Like give credit where credit's due. I think he'll have them prepared. But keep in mind, the players are like 18 to 22 years old. Environments matter. Home field advantage is real. And these players will have never experienced anything like they're about to walk into. I think Washington is, is going to be on their heels to start this game. I don't think they're ready for this. I truly don't. And that's looking through rose-colored lenses. I get it. And I get that I'm biased. I truly don't think that Washington is ready for this at all. The other thing is that it's supposed to rain. Michael Penix has not played well in poor weather games. Straight up, like he has not played well in poor weather games. When when they were playing Utah, the explanation given by the announcers when Penix wasn't playing well in the first half was he does not play and play well in poor weather <laughs> games. They are going to need to pass the ball extremely well against Oregon right. State if they want a chance to win. Um, and, and I don't think I don't think that they'll be able to stop the run. I mean, if you look at their last couple games, like minus the win against Oregon, which was a that was a right. really impressive win. I mean, they they almost 
close loss to Arizona State. They oh. they came within nine. They only beat Stanford by nine points. They let Bryson Barnes score 28 points on them. Like this is a team that has been flirting with defeat for weeks now. Like absolutely. They they yes, they're the number five team in the country. And it's deserved because they haven't lost a game. But this is not a team that is up there with the likes of Georgia or um even like Florida State, Texas. Like they're they're not at that echelon. If they end up going to the college football playoffs, they're gonna get smoked. Like I really believe that. And so um I, I think you have a bit of an overrated Washington team coming in. Um, and if you jump on these guys early with the atmosphere that's going to be at Reeser and the way that Oregon State plays where they can grind out the clock, if you can jump on er, jump on them early in the first quarter, I, I I don't I think that Washington State coming back and getting back into the game is going to be significantly more difficult in than in any of their other games leading up. Right. We gotta move on a little little bit i was going to to answer the question that i myself asked i'll say oregon state wins because oregon state rushes for more than 225 yards on the ground and also controls the time of possession pretty substantially obviously those two things are related but i think it'll be a 35 25 split around there and if that's the case that's a beeves win wait what um, was our what was our picks for this game i'm getting into that and i have a little bit of egg on my face for that i'll say i started the season i'm the asshole i predicted a 30 to 28 defeat oh my I god obviously not sticking to that i think oregon state wins this game um i think it'll be a little bit closer um i'll say i'll say 27 21 um jp your prediction again this is before the season started was a 31 to 24 win uh is that does that sound like a score a score line that you like to stick to yeah benny i think i mentioned this on pod last week all i have in your column is just w no score given <laughs> and then it gets um it gets a little funny uh, the rest of the way but i have a w do you think a full we ages uh in order That's for this what the w stood for <laughs> yeah. probably the w <laughs> we age in all caps <laughs> We I, win, uh, we hage. We win, we hage. I I think that this game is more low scoring uh, than what people think it's going to be. I think that we win twenty four to ten. Um, I like that. Yeah, I I I think the weather is going to play a factor. I think Reeser is going to play a factor. And if we can jump on them early, like I said, we can really grind out the clock. Unlike the a significant amount of teams in college football this year. Absolutely. Yeah. All I have to say left. All I have all I ha- all I have left to say <laughs> about football. Bring is back t- Bernice. Touchdown no. Jermaine Terry. And ah. also bring back Bernice. Uh I really dude, I looked on the OS OSUBeaversshop.com. You can order every single player's jersey, but not Jermaine Terry. Boom. That feels really intentional. Why? <laughs> I wanted ESPN Jermaine Terry. Game jersey. Day was behind yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> ESPN wait, wait, wait. We can't we can't move on. I this isn't really football related directly, but there's there's a the biggest elephant in the room is that Benny Benny the Beaver got a facelift. What? Did y'all right. see that? No. I saw your tweet. I don't know that I actually noticed that his face was lifted. Yeah. But I know Sarah Elcano's uh response to you indicated that Bernice was semi back in his life semi retired and back in his life a bit. That Benny the Beaver is compelled to to clean himself up a bit. Yeah. Stay in better dance. shape. You know, he's probably doing a skincare routine now, even though he has fur and not skin. Um, there's skin under there. There's skin under there. I it's guess, just not like fur to internal organs. <laughs> <laughs> 
That does make sense. That does make sense. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a zoologist. I apologize. Uh, but yeah. So do you? Do you, does Bernice uh, show up to this game? Do we know? I think Bernice is going to be there. I think it's still going to be um, old school Bernice. We we've heard that she's going to have a upgraded look at some point in the future. But it sounds also like that the upgraded look to look sim- more similar to Benny was a good opportunity for. Uh, Benny to also update his look to look more like yeah, a get beaver. a little bit of a makeover. Yeah, Ooh, he looks good. Go. His ears look higher, and his face, his, his eyes his look eyes bigger. Look, yeah, yeah, his eyes are less cross-eyed. Good for him. Yeah. He had that like him, whatever the surgery might... was to fix his cross eyes. LASIK. Like he got no, a Peloton. That's... He's seen a nutritionist now. He's got a fur care routine. <laughs> got a stylist he sees weekly, even when he doesn't need it. You know what Benny should do is bleach his hair. Ooh, yeah, that, this that's Benny what might. You should. That's what you think everyone should do. <laughs> that's your yeah, I might. You should. Terry too. Obviously, yeah. obviously, I'm doing that. Washington at Oregon State this Saturday, 4:30 p.m. Pacific time. Kickoff. It's going to be one to remember. Uh, also, the first top 10 matchup in Corvallis since 2000 when Oregon State ranked number five at the time, beat number eight Oregon 23 to 13 to go to the Fiesta Bowl. Who is our quarterback that day, guys? The best. Jonathan. The one. The one. The best. The great the one. one. The Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan it's just Smith. Jonathan. The Jonathan. The, the, the Jonathan. Uh, I love that. And he will be at the game this Saturday as well as he is a head coach. I can't. Weird. And Chad, Weird Chad Ocho, Ocho Cinco Johnson, yeah, if you're listening, Corvallis, I Ocho. expect to see Jonathan Smith pull up in a Lexus. Give the man his, give the man his due. Benny will split his hundred dollar gift card to B Dubs with you if you come to the game and give Jonathan Smith his Lexus. But I, but I get to pick <laughs> the wings out. He gets to pick the wings out. So it's it's still it's still a pretty good deal. We'll see you there, Ocho. Mm. Pivoting to the hardwood, where both men's and women's basketball are 2-0 at the time of this recording. I I don't see one anywhere on the schedule. Uh, Men's basketball has uh, beat their shit out of Linfield and then uh, required some prayers to the Pope, uh, Jordan Pope, I am, of course, talking about. Uh, to escape Troy with a win on Friday night by the score of 81 to 80. They are 2-0 as we are talking about it now on Monday, November 13th. By the time we're listening to this, they have likely played Appalachian State uh, on Tuesday night at Gill Coliseum. So hopefully they're 3-0. And, you know, it's hard to glean a lot from these early season games, but that's the scoreline you want to see against Linfield. And, hey, a, w- a win's a win. Pope Pope is looking good. Two, two dubs in the win column. That's what you want to see. And then they'll head to Sioux Falls, South Dakota uh, for a date with the Nebraska Cornhuskers that I was going to go to until I was able to swing the football game. So I will not be going to Sioux Falls for the basketball game. Sorry, Coach Tinkle. Please don't hold that against me. I, I'm i happy we're 2-0, uh, especially for men's. I, I felt like the women were going to continue to gel, that Reagan was going to just come out with so much authority uh, that there would be no doubting the potential of that team and i and I, we're seeing that come to fruition but it there was a lot riding on how our freshmen on the men's side develop because while jordan Billado, they were all they all had some great seasons there's still a lot more new pieces that have come in yeah. so there's there's still maybe more question marks than there were last year uh and maybe maybe harder questions to ask given the the uh, expected level of talent from some of the returning young veterans that we've got coming in 
I'll take the wins. I'll take the W's. A win is a win. You're right. Um, and I, I've seen a lot of chatter about, oh, man, like we took us to like triple overtime to beat Troy. Like, but Troy was a 20 win team the last two years. Like they're no, they're no slouch. And we, we didn't play great. But after those first few minutes, the first few minutes we had like what an 11 point lead and like a couple, like eight point lead, 10 point lead. But about just under halfway through the first half, it just became a back and forth game the entire way. And maybe that's a youth as an experience thing. Maybe it's a coaching thing. But either way, like, they got it done. Uh, and, I, and I'm hoping that we – when I looked at the preseason schedule, including the tournament, I was hoping, like, if we can win five of these pre pre-conference games, I will be uh, elated. If we win four, that would be good. Uh, if we win three, that's kind of what I expect. So we're already at two. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take the performances I've seen. I think that Jordan – what I liked about Jordan against Troy was he had an awful game, an awful, awful, awful game especially shooting and i think he'd be the first to admit that but he didn't cower away from the challenge to help put the team on his back when they needed him and he was still maybe taking some risky uh normally ill-advised shots but with the talent level that that guy's got um he probably has the green light and i'm sure tinkle's giving him the green light at any point in the game from anywhere on the court and and he was not shy about trying to help to get his team back to you know win that game so Good on him. Good on you, Jordan. Uh, I don't have a problem with it being a weird game. It was a weird game. It was a weird yeah. game from like five minutes into the game. So I'll weird I'll see how the next – yeah, I'll see how the next few games go. I mean, then again, we did say weird games happened in November two years ago, and then, you know, it wasn't – it got – It's it was still a weird true. Season. It could, it it could still mean season. bad things, but it's still true. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that by the time people are listening to this or while people are listening to this, whenever, uh, there's a whatever, uh, that the men's basketball team is 3-0. and so I'm predicting a win against Appalachian State. That's how hard in the paint mm, I'm going. Damn, man. I like the John Craig a lot, too, as a as a newcomer. Um, I think he, he looks like a mm – -hmm. he's played like a, a new player. Um, and a young player, like you kind of expect out of the sort of like late edition first year players, but I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, also great to see Scott Ruick side, the women's team beat a team like Villanova, who was in the sweet 16 last year, uh, figures to be another good, good year for them in the big East. See Reagan dominate, uh, the way that she has. Yeah. Um, also just great to see Talia Von Olhoffen back on the floor. We know she's <laughs> playing hurt all of last year. God, I hope. And, Stay healthy, Talia. Down. So as long as Talia, uh, <laughs> not not to poke the bear again, but like, I would right when game day announced their decision, it was just kind of fun to see all of the reactions to it, and instantly, uh, Talia had some great reactions. Like like James Madison is my least favorite founding yeah. father. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And just had laughs> some other just, that just had some great great uh you know uh clapbacks uh <laughs> college game day so, so good. Talia is at least in good spirits um if she's not a hundred percent um physically healthy we hope she is though um we, we love watching you play Talia and hope this is a much easier year for you uh mentally physically spiritually everything Lee um but yeah two and oh uh the women's team doesn't play again until Friday they host UC Davis Benny, you and I might be rolling into Corvallis oh. right as that game tips off. Oh, you got to go tip off? So we, it's uh, 6 p.m. Oh, we'll so be in Corvallis. Our, we'll be in Corvallis by then. So we 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 will we'll, we'll, let's plan on making an appearance um, uh, and get what? a Gill Dog and a Gill, Gill Beer. Maybe the Paytoners will be there. They oh. might be in town. They oh, were there. Yeah, well, they were there. They, they thought, I think they were there this last week for, for uh, no, I think for the men's games. They cover men's basketball. Well, I know, so. but 
Um, the only I, podcast in existence that solely covers Oregon State men's basketball. I, I saw, obviously, the men were picked to finish 12th at Pac-12 Media Day. Where were the women picked to finish? I don't think I ever saw that. Like 8th. Okay. Seventh. All right. Okay. Um, Kenzano has a couple great. Um, if you subscribe to Kenzano, um, he has a great uh, crystal balls. He's calling them where he brought brought in a guest writer for both uh the men's basketball preview and the women's basketball preview. And I am blanking on the name of the individual who wrote the men's one, but he said he liked Oregon State more than most people, which had him picking them to finish tenth instead of twelfth. As the team <laughs> okay. said in 2021, the rallying cry was not twelve. So that might work again. So that's a <laughs> All right. official not 12 prediction from at least one basketball writer. There we go. Uh, and if that can work its magic again with this team, none of us are going to be mad at it. Uh, I, 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 I'm honestly kind of excited to watch an Oregon State team, uh, both the men's and the women's, that don't have super high expectations because as fun as football has been this year, it has been stressful. So it'll be nice to... To have a relaxing it, winter. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And and every win will be cherished. And it, it will be fun to watch these teams come together. And, um, you know, for the women's team, uh, be healthy for the first time in what feels like forever. So, right. um, yeah, I'm excited. Those are, that's the number that matters where you look at the beginning of the season. And we knew we'd be recording after each team played two games. Uh, both teams hadn't played a game yet when we were recording last week. So, mm-hmm. I think if you could go back in time and talk to last week us, first of all, hey, guys, great episode. You're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we're going to be 4-0, and I think we'd all take that, and I'll be excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, and especially given the the one thing I'd be like, okay, how much did we beat Linfield by? <laughs> and with it being uh, by, you know, about the same number of points that the football team beat Stanford by, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Anything else on basketball? We got to move to the pitch, and this is more of a rallying cry than anything else. Uh, Benny, I'm sad that we're not getting to Corvallis on Thursday night because NCAA tournament soccer is back at Paul Lorenz, baby. It's going to be a frenzy at Lorenzi. Greg Dalby's team is tournament bound. They host Seattle U on Thursday night at Paul Lorenz in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Y'all, this is the freezer is going to be the reason that the football team beats a team from Seattle this weekend. You know Lorenz is going to be the reason that a different kind of football team beats another team from Seattle on on Thursday. Uh, it's been a great season for Coach Dalby's first year. Uh, the team's been playing great. G- getting that draw with U-Dub to end the season was a great performance. Frenzy at Lorenzi. Y'all Let's know go. what to do. Y'all know what to do. Let's yeah. go. Hell yeah. I... And Coach Dalby, the first thing that uh, that Jonathan Smith said in his presser today was shout out to Coach Dalby. So uh, great to see that people are recognizing the men's soccer team. And, um, and it seems like the engagement from the student body has been right. nothing like I've ever seen, at least was... when we were going to school. So that's it's it's awesome. Our soccer fans show out. Yeah. Yeah. Fans Fantastic. Did we ever get that that dude uh, his gift card? I'm getting it to him in person this weekend. Whoa, Uh, that's white glove service right there. Exactly. That's make a sign that we tell you to make, and that's the type of service that uh, that you're gonna get. Terry flies out from Minneapolis. I'm not that that, which is why I'm not offering the same thing this weekend because. I quit my job last month, so I, <laughs> yeah, I got to ration these offers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there will there will be some lo- a local boy stop for sure. 
And yeah, nice. I'm sad we're missing the soccer game now. Oh, oh, quick, quick note before I forget the uh, Oregon State Washington line is now Oregon State favored by two. No, Ooh, where at? Yeah. What are you looking uh, at? It's on my yeah. Is this Yahoo Sports? I just go to the sports. Yeah, Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, dude. Someone, one of the Beaver Fam members said that Yahoo Sports is way better than ESPN. Which number one? <laughs> I, uh, I said that. <laughs> yeah, and it is Yahoo Sports. It's good. It's a good app. Yeah, it is. No, it but, is. But, but it's who my calls favorite it scoring app. Yahoo! Yahoo or Yahoo? Yahoo! Uh, well, speaking of you, if you can't, if you can't, Yoo-hoo. 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 with a little rum. Big Daddy, anybody? No. And we all, we all love the beeves, and we all love Yoo-hoo! Um, speaking of that shitty network, if you can't make it to Paul Lorenz on Thursday, you can watch them play Seattle. Uh, on ESPN Plus, so you can tune into that to support the Beavs, uh, but don't don't linger. Um, we did lose to Seattle the one time we played them this year, two to one. That was way back in September and in Seattle, so barely even counts. Fuck Seattle. Yeah, Seattle sucks. Sorry, yeah. listeners in Seattle. <laughs> Just come down to Tacoma. It's way better. I'm preemptively yeah. apologizing because I know Terry's going to say, do we have listeners in Seattle? Well, we have listeners everywhere. That's yeah. the part of having uh, you know, a great podcast and a great product. Uh, yeah, They know. The listeners in Seattle have been around long enough. They can translate what that means. I lived in Seattle too for a while, so I let I never so. lived there. Thank God. <laughs> On purpose. Yeah. JP's favorite part about Seattle is that he is currently not in Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> that I've never lived there. <laughs> well, but shout out to you if you are listening in Seattle. We appreciate you. And where you are in Seattle is cool. Yeah. Maybe for sure. I I, I say it's cool. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, go men's soccer, go coach Dolby, go Beavs. What else, guys? Can we just leave this on a efficiently wrapped up positive note? Yes. And the next time I'll s- we'll all be together, we'll be on the soil in Corvallis. Mm, yes, I love that Can't idea. Can't fucking wait. Can't wait. Well, Beaver fam, thank you so much for listening to the show, to this another thrilling episode of the Belligerent Beefs podcast. For those who have shown up and shown out at Research Stadium, you are part of what makes Beaver Nation great. You are a big part of the reason why this team has only lost one game at that stadium over the last three years and will continue to have only lost one game past this Saturday. Can't wait to see you all there. Let us know if you're going to be in town. Find us at Squirrels, at Sky High, at Local Boys. Maybe even Peacock if we if we find the energy and the and the nostalgia. Uh, we'll be around. We want to catch up. We want to we let us know why your tailgate is the best tailgate. Then we will come to your tailgate and eat food at your tailgate. And then we will tell you if it is the best tailgate. And if oh. you win, you get to give us more food. If you win, Terry will buy you a gift card to. No, I will buy you. I will buy boys. you. I will buy your <laughs> local boys, but only if you come to local boys with me after the game. And they don't do and, gift cards, do they? Like digital? I don't think so. Uh, with this, hence the in-person service with this one. It's a little more complicated than getting someone a Starbucks card or, or something like that. <laughs> That's what makes it authentic. We are authentic. Uh, We're we are real. Authentically, we are authentically belligerent. Uh, thank you again for tuning into this episode and for making this football season one to remember. My name is Terry Horstman at Terry Horstman on Twitter at Terrence Horstman on Instagram uh, at angry guy in Minneapolis calling into the until Saturday (laughs) 
voicemail uh, <laughs> inbox. Uh, feel free to follow me at any of those channels. Uh, with me, as always, on the ones and twos, the man in charge of controlling our ship, making it all go, J.P. Bertram in Portland. That's J.P. Bertram on Instagram and at the Trill J on Twitter. That's at the underscore Trill underscore J because he's too Trill to be real. And joining us from not Seattle, but Tacoma, because it's way better and way cheaper. Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Wee Hage. That is true. A.K.A. Benny with the good quaff. A.K.A. Benny Bull Game. A.K.A. Benny Blastoff. A.K.A. Benny Bedlam, because he's fucking crazy, folks. A.K.A. picking me up at the airport on Friday, because he's a nice guy. And making the trek to Corvallis with me for the best weekend of all of our lives. You can follow him at Benny L. 19. 86 on all social media channels and follow us for goodness sakes at Belligerent Beeves on Twitter at Belligerent Beeves on Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky, TikTok, YouTube. We're throwing stuff up on YouTube at a rate that is just way bigger than what we used to be doing, <laughs> which is like two videos a week rather than zero. <laughs> so check, you can also, you can listen to the show on YouTube. That's, yeah. you know, that's that's convenient for, you know, if you're listening at work or something like that. Uh, so listen to the show on YouTube and check out our shorts on YouTube as well. We're throwing up all kinds of stuff there from the Belligerent Beast feed. And this is also a great time to give the show five freaking stars at Apple spotify or wherever you get your podcast and to share the show with a friend we love making the show and we'll continue to make it even if no one listens but five star reviews really help us grow the show a lot and we'd really appreciate it if you shared the show with a friend i've been terry horseman on behalf of benjamin lawrence sebastian Weehage, and jp bertram this has been the 116th episode of the belligerent beefs podcast and we will see all of you beautiful people at Research Stadium this Saturday for an iconic, historic, and euphoric moment in the history of our great program. Go Beeves, chop them. Remember, you can't spell chop them without hope. So chop them. Chop them. Chop them. Don't watch game day. And show up, show out, be loud, and let's make that Richter scale dance on Saturday. Let's go. Let's go.